0: Welcome to another episode Dr. James Beckett's Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Daryl McKay, longtime friend and and uh, I I knew him as a as a distributor. Was it Sports Images that you had? It was Sports Images, correct. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, uh, but we're going to hear uh, Daryl's origin story and uh going up to what he's doing now. And uh I have a number of sponsors, some of whom uh Daryl uh, knows and dealt with <laughs> back in the day, but uh Beckett Media certainly, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication com uh, comc, dot com. burbank sports cards our friend rob varis mike stadium sports cards in aurora colorado mike fruitman heritage auctions huggins and scott auctions as well as tops panini and upper deck the three largest card companies so daryl i know you dealt with a lot of those but i want to hear like, your, one of those people <laughs> uh, i want to i want to hear your origin story whether you collected as a kid and kind of how you got into sports images and you know those were those were exciting times when uh, you know, because I was full speed ahead in those days too. But just your uh, collector origin story, your hobby origin story, and and uh, take us up to the present and what you're doing now. But uh, again, thanks for joining.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Jim. I'm excited to be here um, and talking with you. is an honor because um, I remember when the first price guide came out yep. and I carried it actually, and I love that Roberto Clemente on the cover. And yep. just how much it meant to have an actual price guide. So it's a true honor to be here and be included in your series. It's exciting, and I, I'm grateful. You know, I go back, frighteningly, 40 years. I started in 1979 as an 11-year-old kid selling my doubles um, at a flea market. Um, my parents were in the process of getting divorced, um, and my dad was going, bringing some stuff from the house to the flea market, and I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I I was that kid who sold things door to door and had a paper route, and we had a vegetable garden and, and, you know, orchard of trees that I would sell fruit from in the front yard. So it was a natural thing for me to take some of my doubles and bring them, you know, as truly a collector to the flea market and sell them. And I remember, I think I sold it, and I won't remember exactly the price, but the very, the vivid card that I remember selling, because I had two of them. And as I look back on it now, how incredibly lucky and rare that was, was a 67 Brooks Robinson, which, you know, I'm a Red Sox (laughs) fan. So I didn't want this Orioles guy.
0: (laughs) That was at one point considered the toughest card in the set, but uh you got sure a good, was good, good, good. I had two of them price for oh Daryl,
1: come on. Where, where, <laughs> but I you, got I got a decent price for it. Of course, there was no price guide in 79, as you know, Jim. Uh, um uh,
0: so sorry we about were that. winging
1: it like we were winging. Um and I got I you know, I did I had a better day at the yard sale in dollars than my father did. because oh. I and I remember laughing with him years later. My dad, you know, has passed, but you know, he was also very active in the card business with me um in the eighties and nineties selling vintage cards that we both had love for um, and collecting them. And and so I, I remember before we went, my dad said, why are you spending so much time on these baseball cards? Who is going to buy these baseball cards from you? Do you really think anyone's going to buy baseball cards? If he said it once, it feels like in my head he said it 15 times. He probably only said it once, but I was 11, and everything he said weighed so heavily in my mind. Um, and at the end of the show, or at the end of the flea market, I should say, I ended up taking in more dollars than he did. So, <laughs> I felt pretty smug with myself. It was the beginning uh, almost of teenage years uh, where I became permanently smug. Um and you know, it was a really eye-opening experience for both of us. Um well, it, and yeah. it
0: was fun. Yeah, I think this is one of the few hobbies where the the son can compete with the dad. The dad <laughs> has more money, but the son has more time and 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 sometimes more enthusiasm and when you put it all together and you turn it into a little bit of a father-son hobby, that's 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 uh, that's beautiful music. So, It really was, Jim. I can't, you know, even, you know, now as a dad, I cannot express
1: how meaningful those times together were. And of course, you know, for the first five or six years, I couldn't drive. So we did everything together completely and went everywhere together. And my father, who I'm sure I never gave anywhere near enough credit to uh, during that period. um, I have no doubt that I gave him nowhere near enough credit. Um, But he was so a willing participant in this little endeavor. Um, and, and so excited and enthusiastic to be doing it with me. Now, of course, as a father, appreciate how delightful it was for him too to have this together. Um, and if doing- it was th- something that kept us together right up and literally till the day he died. Um, we would talk about it endlessly and share notes. And by then I was fully into the new cards and he was fully into the old cards and we still had uh, just a tremendous joy of uh, the hobby in a broad sense uh, and what it meant to both of us. So, you know, you're a
0: hundred percent correct how much it means to a father son scenario and still does i know but you're uh, in addition you uh, it sounds like you've always had this entrepreneurial business sense in fact you were telling me even now you're helping other entrepreneurs you you just from an early age you've uh, thought entrepreneurially about that this was a hobby it was enjoyable you're selling but were you systematizing or you know how were you different when you were a kid were you uh because then later you became a distributor and and so Most people don't do that, and you did that at a really early age. (laughs) I did. You know, I was certainly very lucky. I
1: I will never, ever lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, I was fortunate to be able to, in some respects, make my own luck as well. The market was, as you are well aware, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, and mostly early 80s for me. um, You know, I started my my first true new card distribution type of endeavor was in 1981. I, the Coca Cola company partnered with Brigham's ice cream shops around here all to make right. a set of Red Sox cards. Yeah. And so
0: they, they were all you, regionally you, distributed.
1: And so I, you, my dad and I went around to Brigham's stores oh. and bought the packs of cards when the managers were done with the promotion and didn't want to do it or didn't want to do it at all in the first place. Um, and I took oh, out really? an ad in Sports Collector's Digest in 1981. And, you know, I, I, I view it to be the, the preview of e-commerce, of regional e-commerce.
0: Well, you <laughs> need
1: Snail mail it. commerce. Um, and it was, amazing you know i was what so i would have been 13 at that point I was say, almost I 14 this. and uh i'm got an ad in sports collector just selling 1981 red Sox coca-cola sets and packs yeah. and right. you know by relative standards i probably took in a total of about 300 400 but at
0: 13 it was incredible oh, i hear you i hear you no, i remember the days well okay so then did, did you like most people quit for high school or were you still kind of hanging in there doing the flea markets and the things like that uh uh, there there were starting to be card shows around. They were.
1: I mean, yeah. And I did my first card show in 79 as well. And you may remember the show, the Bishop Garton High School show in Nashua, yeah. New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, it was a great – for New England, it was one of the biggest and yeah, shows yeah. for a long time. So I did that one. And I kept doing card shows uh, throughout the Northeast up into Montreal. I would go up and, you know, I would take a long weekend a lot of times. And my teachers would ask, you know – you know, I was fortunate to be a good enough student that they would give me some leeway – and I would go to shows all over um, Gloria's shows and down to Philly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just wonderful times. And of course, the market was incredible. And my teachers would give me the Friday off and they'd ask me how much money I made when I came back. And they were as engaged in this almost as I was. They were so fascinated by um, this high schooler who was selling baseball cards that they were really good to me. So I kept going right through um, high school and and I started and became a partner in the distribution company that would eventually become Sports Images. It took us a bit to figure out that we'd be a distribution company there were all sorts of grand ideas um most of which didn't work I'm happy I'm, I'm happy to say they didn't stick um but uh in 1989 we started uh, what would become Sports Images so uh it was uh you know fortuitous ending to that decade for me uh, that I got you know through all of the trade card shows and through the flea markets you know and, and then stopped doing flea markets and you know stores were opening up and worked with a few of the store owners to you know, help them and have them sell some of my stuff in their stores, build a, you know, a bigger business. And, you know, that was when stores had just really started in a meaningful way. There were a few yeah. before that in the early eighties and mid eighties, you know, Hall's nostalgia, Walter Hall right, were right. considered, you know, just at the time to be such a mentor um, and, you know, growing up with them and, you know, Bill Carvalho who started the greater yeah. Boston sports collectors club, right. another person that I just mm-hmm. adored and worked with. And they were so good to me as a young person too, as well, to not, view me so much as a competitor, but just a colleague and somebody that, and sometimes we did compete, but they were just so gracious and wonderful. And it was, it,
0: it was a magical time in the business. I don't know how else to say it. Well, uh, so was, the, uh, I was thinking in the eighties, you were selling your own stuff pretty correct, much, going around. And then all of a sudden, 89, 90, and there, you become more of a distributor. In what way were you competing? Were, were you not assisting the the local uh, card shops? Uh, well, or, to your point, when we transition
1: period and moved to
0: the distribution model, then the folks that I had, you know, sort of competed with in
1: many ways, I made sure that they, you know, we did not compete. And, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of that, you know, Sports Images sold wholesale and didn't sell retail and really partnered with those stores to build a business together. They were, they were our partners. And, you know, fortunately, because we were competitors loosely defined before that, and I say very loosely defined, because to be honest, and Jim, you'll remember this, those days, it was everyone partnered because, yeah, you might have a customer who really needed the '67 Brooks Robinson, and there was so much dealer to dealer activity in the yeah. '80s and early '90s, especially too, that it was really important to to stay close to everybody. Yeah.
0: Well, you were in the Northeast where everything's close together, anyway. But, but again, you you've always been. I mean, the, the Northeast is different from the South or the West, and you've always seemed to have kind of a can do attitude and and like like uh, they would say, consultative selling that you weren't real pushy or, uh, you, you just, uh, was that the style that you had? Or was I reading you wrong? Cause it seemed like you were, you were, you were a solid business guy, but you weren't, you weren't forcing anything. You were, you were providing good service.
1: Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad to hear that, you know, as a Bostonian, sometimes we don't always know our limits. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and I, I don't know that every one of my customers would have completely okay. said that I wasn't at all. I had a hard time often taking no for an answer in some ways, okay. Okay. but not in a pushy way. But I just always have believed that no is just a step on the pathway to yes in a lot of cases. So I would usually circle back around with a uh, with an appropriate way to try to get to a yes as opposed to a forcing of it. So I'm glad that that never rubbed uh, most people the wrong way. Um, but but you know,
0: it had to be a little
1: tough when I was doing the Gloria show because the white plains crowd oh, was a little rough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: that was the <laughs> the tone uh, of the show, but uh, it just seemed to me you had uh you had uh this as you're moving as you're aware of the market and all these stores are coming uh coming coming uh just appearing to where, you know, in the peak we had almost I think 20,000 stores around the country. And you had yep. to have uh did you have thousands? Did you have thousands, yeah. thousands? Yeah, thousands of stores. I mean, you know, and the and Northeast, of course, was super concentrated for that. Right, right. And were you? Uh, did you have uh, trucks that were taking stuff around because a lot of supplies and you know products were heavier in those days? Because <laughs> yes, there they were. There weren't these. I don't know, I don't know if they have uh, cases now that are one card, but they have boxes <laughs> that are one card. They have uh, so you know uh, so how big an operation did you have at the at 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 the peak as a collector? It was you and your dad? And then later, you're just kind of on your own. And then you had a partner in uh, sports images. sports. a partner, John Lane, who was uh, also another person that I consider
1: absolutely to be a mentor as well. Um, And, you know, there were a couple other people involved. uh, But John and I eventually became, you know, the sports images um, that people really came to know. I would say that started officially around 91, if I remember correctly, as sports images. And it was becoming more and more clear in the, you know, late 89, early 90 period, that distribution was going to be a better model. Um and partnering with stores who needed a broad variety of product, but uh, ever changing and constantly changing variety of product. And so we did start root delivery routes and trucks on the road and you know the traditional bread truck model almost. Um
0: and some retailers would hit a couple times a week, if not more. Uh you know, and we shipped a product, of course, too. But let's let's table the distribution talk because I want to do another separate episode with you just for that. So let's we're essentially out of time, but I just wanted to give you a chance to tell the listeners what you're doing now. Uh, some may want to engage your services because you're not a, a classic distributor anymore, but you are involved. You have a lot of hobby knowledge. So tell our listeners what you're doing now and, uh, how they could contact you and, and, uh, and then we'll come back and, and do the distributor talk in another episode. So.
1: Thank you. Sure. Yeah. So I started, um, this year. This is the first year of We Are. Uh, it's a, con- it's a network agency, a firm that helps entrepreneurs startups in the sports licensed collectible or just the general sports licensed category of products um Start their business and all the way through to retail, because my partner, John Franzini, is a you know equally length of experience in the retail side of the business okay. um, with with more of the team retail and the licensed product retail uh, background. Uh, but between us, you know, we've been blessed to work with an amazing talent of people that we can still uh, fortunately will still take our phone calls nice. and uh, and still allow us to network uh, different businesses to different experiences and different services. Um, so it is kind of, you know, I, I say this a lot, but we're like the general contractors who bring in subcontractors for, you know, specific tasks to help a manufacturer, a licensee, a licensor, a retailer, uh, maximize the amount of revenue that they can get from their business, uh, using our experiences and those of our partners on, on essentially a on demand basis. Um, and it's exciting. It's a brand new business for both John and I. Um, and we're thrilled. And the, the website, I'll shamelessly plug is we are your resource dot com. And uh, we'd love to work with anybody. Uh, you know, if you can put up with the fact that we have some stories from way back in the day, um, those stories often lead us to people that can really be helpful to the folks that we're working with.
0: Well, uh, that's a good note to end on. Thank you, Daryl. We'll come back and do another episode. But uh, I realized, as perhaps you did, my statement about consulting, the consulting I do, I tell people, I tell my wife, I said, it's a lot more fun helping other people solve their problems than dwelling on my own problems. So I enjoyed (laughs) business. I enjoyed working with you, Daryl, and uh, I wish you great success. Listeners, thanks again. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.